You're listening to a Chirp Radio podcast. For more interviews and stories, visit chirpradio.org slash podcast. This is Mick, and you're listening to the Chirp Radio Podcast. I am here with indie rock and new wave greats, generationals. I'm sitting here with Ted Joyner and Grant Widmore. They both play guitar, they both sing, and they both write. How are you guys doing today? Great. As, yeah. Doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So you guys are touring in support of your new album, Reader as Detective. How's that going so far? It's going very well. We are about halfway through this first U.S. Uh, run, and uh, all is well in the world for us. Yeah, feeling great so far. So the album title, Reader as Detective, I, I find that a pretty interesting title. I was hoping that you guys could unpack that a little bit for me. It seems like there's some overlap with the theme of the album title and possibly the song I Turned My Back on the Written Word, which was the first single off of the album. And in that video, you guys are you know, rotating and sort of swirling around a bunch of ephemera, you know, pieces of nostalgic um, materials, and they're sort of all passing between your ears and you seem to be processing these things. Is there some anxiety or pessimism that you have uh, directed towards language and the way that we communicate with each other today? No, I don't, I, I don't know about pessimism, but yeah, I think it, it certainly seemed like a fertile territory to sort of, uh, yeah, play with that kind of imagery and point to, uh, point to stuff like that with the, the album title and stuff. I think, yeah, it was intended to provoke a little bit and to sort of uh, invite a little bit like the audience into the process of deciphering kind of like what this music is about and, and the, the layers I think that we wanted to at least um, acknowledge that we feel like we're kind of putting forward um, and that there is stuff under the surface to be sort of mined for the readers as it were or listeners in this case uh, who uh, who may be interested in doing that. So, and, and, you know, a lot of the imagery that we put together for the album, yeah, kind of points in, in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Um, in a general sense, the layers he's talking about, I think we, I've always liked having songs that just at a glance, maybe you can get into, they kind of read as a, you know, like sort of a good, simple pop song perhaps, but, um, you know, there, there can be more to them uh, if you're, you know, if you care. That song also has a little bit of a world music vibe to it as well. Maybe a little bit of influence from David Byrne's catalog. I would say specifically uh, Ray Mamo. Am I picking up on that correctly? Is that something that you guys have been uh, sort of consciously including in aspects of this new album? Some some instances of world music expanding your sound, or is this something that I'm maybe off my rocker about? I'm I'm assuming that I'm. 
I'm assuming that you're picking up on the, are you referring to the sort of like vocal sample loop that happens in that? Yeah, yeah, the, the sort of whistles. Yeah, I mean, I think what happened with that song specifically was that, you know, we have kind of a chest of pieces and parts of little demos. Some are more fleshed out than others. Some are a couple of bars long. And we just sort of compile these when we're, you know, in the very formative stages of writing a record. And then we kind of allow ourselves to pick parts out and to sort of experiment with very elemental aspects of that trove as we're like compiling and writing the songs. So that's what I want that song that that vocal loop was just a like a a sample from a demo that Ted had made completely kind of disconnected from the exact time period of recording the record. I just sort of picked up on it and found a way to sort of loop it and write something over it. So I he can maybe speak more to the origin of that specific idea or that loop that vocal loop which is his voice. But um but yeah, that was sort of my my um the part of it that I'm more familiar with was just sort of like finding a little gem in on the beach and building a little house around it. So yeah. What was that? I don't know. Do you want to, well, you definitely succeeded. Oh no, it was a, it was a voice memo that I had from like years ago, but I barely even remember making, I was in, we just moved into a new house and I had, uh, I was walking around when there was nothing in it and it had like a great, like just reverb and like, um, empty rooms with like wood floors like that. So I just made like that kind of two-part harmony line, but um, Grant kind of pitched it up, and uh, you know the way he layered it in. I, I remember at the time because this was like four years ago. He's like, I, I bet you I can do something with that, and I was like very doubtful. I was like, ah, you know what, go ahead and try. But like it was definitely on the pile of things. I'm like, I don't really know what to do with that. Um, yeah, and uh, I guess I mean you know whatever. And then he, um, but then you know years later, yeah, he kind of built something around it, but the, you know. It was almost like building around something that was came from nothing, and you know he sort of gave it a context that made it into an actual song. So, is interesting take on it. But he he's right that like we've kind of been doing a little bit more in that of that kind of thing here and there of just uh, sampling or, or taking little pieces of something and then recontextualizing completely. Um, or I guess Grant Grant's writing style more lately has been innovative in that way. Um, but I'm always happy to be like, yeah, I don't know, I tossed off a weird thing but he made it into a good song like that's that's a good story too so i was gonna say it kind of gives us like a workaround for sample clearance you know what i mean because like a lot of people sample music and sample things and make um songs out of my matter of fact i was listening to the song bittersweet symphony in the car today which is so good and that the sample that he uses is so compelling i actually saw a live video of him at like wembley stadium just people as far as they could see that are just moved by this song and they got totally boned on it because the Rolling Stones like sued them over the sample so anyway I don't know but I guess in my case I'm just like too lazy to deal with the legality of how to like go about using a sample that someone else made and like clearing it in a way that's not going to come back to haunt me so my attitude is just like we have all this stuff that we made whether it's been released or not released in some cases we've chopped up things and used samples from songs that we have already released but they're just so kind of disguised that it's not apparent what the source is but anyway it's just kind of like my way of being like i basically just want to play with a texture that exists already why not just use something that we wrote or we recorded 
whether it's a demo or something real. And so like we've ended up doing that on a bunch of songs recently, but yeah. Yeah, you're you're not a lawyer. You don't want to put up with all the sample clearance. I don't want to talk to any lawyers. Yeah, like the whole thing just no, I just use my own stuff. Yeah. band that broke at a time when a generational sort of defining event occurred which was the market crash in 08 how did um like how did that impact your development as artists right did that impact your material development like your decisions to um continue down this road or did it impact the way that you've made music over the years um as a band called generationals Yeah, that that single event probably defined more lives for our generation than anything else. I would first of all like to say I think it's super cool that you think we broke ever. <laughs> um, but uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. But no, I mean, I never actually really gave this question a lot of thought. But I, I, I would say, like, of course, like it affected everybody. And so and so many people uh, steered their lives that were sort of downstream of that event. I mean, I think there's no doubt that. Um, I mean, we, we were in a band and played in bands before that happened. That happened to coincide with like when, when we were putting out this first record. But it absolutely affected the sort of like economy that we were existing in at that time, the kind of options that we had. I think one of the reasons why it might have seemed like, yeah, let's let's take let's take a run around this and see if we can make a new band from scratch. Um, was probably informed by the fact that there weren't a whole lot of other great options for people of our, you know, stripe or whatever. Like, we don't have graduate degrees or anything to go uh, and get other jobs. I mean, I'm sure, you know, we, we would have ended up doing something. But it wasn't like we graduated or whatever into this booming economy where everybody was just, like, rolling out and getting fantastic jobs. People who went to school with us or whatever were getting, you know, pretty basic jobs or trying to find jobs or every you know the whole economy was like in tatters so it probably did inform our willingness to like try to do a band for a while um but yeah i don't know beyond that i hadn't really had any deep um thoughts about that particular coincidence so we talk about a lot of you know introspective things tonight but i want to leave on something a little bit more lighthearted. when you guys come through chicago what are some of the things that you like to do to relax to relax what is that like i feel like every time we're in chicago it's just getting um put through the ringer yeah to get set up but the last several times we've been through we have not had um time to relax there was a taco place we used to go to years ago that we loved big star no oh big star is still there it's still there Mm -hmm. but um the last several times i remember we just haven't had the downtime i'd like to go walk through uh millennium park i mean maybe these are all obvious things but I I, i haven't got to do them in a while I have, in recent years, I moved to Madison, which is pretty close to here. Um, I live there, and um, I took my wife here for her birthday. And we went to see a show, and um, we went to the Art Institute. And, like, we got, yeah, we, we went, just did some touristy stuff. So that was fun. Did you take the, uh, aren't there, like, architecture tours you can take from yes, a boat? I did not do that. Yes, there are. The Architecture Center, It's they're very popular. But, but you're on a boat, right? Like, in, Or no? 
Yeah, that's 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 one way you can do it. But there's also walking tours. Well, regardless, I'd like to I'd like to take that tour. I haven't had a chance yet. I look forward to coming back soon and doing all of them. Well, Generationals, Grant and Ted, this has been really great. Thank you so much for speaking with me tonight. Do you have any parting words for the people of Chicago? I would say to the people of Chicago, follow your heart, do the right thing, and and um, always be true to yourself. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. other interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. Chirp Radio, hear what's next.